Hey everybody, this is Drew. And this is Blake. And you're listening to the Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Controllers podcast. Welcome to episode 40. Uh, if you've been following the podcast, you know what time it is. Uh, we're going to skip the social media preamble and get straight to the meat of things. Uh, and speaking of meat, we have a hunk of it for you today. Uh, with uh, We're sitting down with director, writer, producer, and sensual lover, Jeff Wedding. I'm Jeff Wedding, uh, filmmaker and sometimes photographer and I guess lover. Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to be here. I'm sitting here in my office on a Sunday morning, sipping coffee with you fine folks. Yeah, we're, we're really glad to have you. We've been looking forward to this one. We've actually had this one planned for a really long time. I think we told you about it. Seems like a year ago, yeah. probably. But as we, uh, yeah, oh, at least. Yeah. So we roll through. We're uh, we told we talked before. We're not so much a guest podcast, but we try to. We'd have a couple of friends and family, and obviously you're still a friend too. So we haven't really had any strangers on yet, but uh, I don't know it just feels like it's a long time coming. So we've been pretty excited about it. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it. Yeah. Happy to be here. Uh, we'll, let's go ahead and kick stay, uh, kick things off with a you know a couple of questions, and we'll see where we go from there. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, just the first question would be you know kind of an obvious one is like uh, what movie because what movie inspired you? to be a movie, a director, a filmmaker? Um, I, so, you know, I, since I was a kid, like uh, my brother and I, Steve, we, our dad was like a huge movie lover. So mm -hmm. we would be at the video store nonstop and we would see like every, I mean, everything, you know, from like rad to trilogy of terror to, you know, whatever. And so, um, I don't, I mean, movies were always like kind of like magic to me, you know, when I was growing up, it was like, I, there's, we had like a video camera, you know, like a camcorder, but it was like, this doesn't look like the movies look like, why do you know? And so there's always like that, that sort of like uh, mystique behind movies, like the, um, how, how they're made and how they're made to, to be what they are. Um, and it wasn't until I think I started getting older, um, like in high school and and stuff where I, I i remember seeing larry fessenden's habit which is a like a really low budget uh 16 millimeter vampire movie mm -hmm. and i remember seeing that and being like this like i i could i mean i couldn't make a movie this good but i could make i see how he did it i see how the film was made like there wasn't you know i could see the tricks and you know, uh, th at this point, there was DVD and there were commentaries yeah. and uh, featurettes, and you could see them talk about how they made it and, and, and these things. And so I remember seeing Habit and Steve and I would be like, you know, we, we wanted to make movies since we were like in grade school, but we couldn't figure out like how to how to get the means, how to get the, the resources to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, when when and I think a lot of filmmakers cite Habit, you know, um, as being like a thing that they saw where Larry was 
talking about like how how he did it and it's sort yeah. of like revealing all of the the flaws of it and all the warts and and you were able to look at it and say like um you know that you can do it too and uh, so i think habit was definitely one of those uh, films that that put a put a fire under us saying like make the jump and, and go ahead and do it um and then i, I got i got to work with larry uh a couple of years ago i, sh- I was the cinematographer oh. on a project that oh, he uh, acted in yeah my friend chad's movie dementor which is coming out on on the second march yeah, 2nd we, we see a lot of uh dementor and uh, on, on come across your social media and i don't know if it i didn't know it wasn't out because you there's some we see so much of it on social media yeah it, it was it was sort of the same chad we were on the festival circuit. Like I was on the festival circuit with Tennessee Gothic at the same time, Chad was on the festival circuit with Dementor. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so uh, his, he, he signed a deal with a company called a uh, dark star mm-hmm. and it's coming out uh, Tuesday or no, I'm sorry, the second, whatever day that is March 2nd. I think it might be Tuesday. Cause these are okay. 20 today's the last day of, yeah, we don't, you know, yeah. Long. So maybe, yeah. So anyway, and that's got, you know, Larry was in Chad's movie before that, Jug Face. Um, yeah, I've seen you talk about so, that too. I haven't seen that either. Yeah, Arrow is putting Jug Face out on Arrow Player. Um, oh, that's a pretty big platform, Arrow. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, so that, so I went and shot like a bunch of behind the scenes stuff with Chad for that, like yeah. him doing his Jug Face collection and, and all that stuff. But anyway uh yeah pheasanton's habit uh was definitely one of those um you know there's a lot of a lot of uh at that at that time like again we steve and i wanted to make movies um but in the 90s there were all these sort of like uh clerks you know all of these that's blake's biggest thing was was kevin smith i love kevin that was was actually one of the reasons i asked this question because uh because you have your movie habit and he always quotes uh jaws as being mm. the reason he got into movies because he believes jaws is the perfect movie yeah jaws is uh, i mean when it comes to that okay like the perfect movie like my hands down all-time favorite movie that i still like i watch at least once a month still like um is silence of the lambs i think mm. it's i think I, it's the I, haven't, the I haven't watched that in a while it's been a minute but i i adore that film it's fantastic you need to revisit it, but it, it's, it's the movie for me. That's like what, and I like Jonathan Demi, the director, mm-hmm. he's great, but he's not even in my top 20, probably a favorite, favorite directors, but that really? one, that one movie, that movie unto itself is like, in, in my, in my opinion, like the epitome of cinematic perfection. I don't have his IMDb on hand, but did he do anything ever as big as silence of the lambs again? He you didn't know? do anything as popular as that but he 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 made a lot of movies i mean he made philadelphia which was you know tom hanks Hanks and denzel washington um and he made uh i mean he made a lot of uh movies like throughout the he's dead now but throughout the 90s and yeah and early 2000s he made a, a big one it was definitely his biggest i mean it swept the oscars and it was a big deal but he made a lot of cool movies He made a really cool movie called something wild um and he made like a women in prison movie called uh, Caged Heat. Uh, that sounds. Caged yeah. Heat. It was like that his first. 
It's Orange Ooh. is the New Black before the show came out. Sounds what it sounds like. Yeah, I love women in prison movies. All right, yeah. so, but he that was his first movie, and in you know he made like some some stinkers too. Like he made well, uh, everybody everybody does. I mean, yeah, he made like a remake of Charade, um, and it wasn't very good. But but you know, Silence of the Lambs, it was like that that lightning in a bottle sort of yeah yeah uh, uh, thing. So That's yeah. Crazy. So you said, uh, I've just mentioned a couple of times, you said your dad was a big inspiration for like taking y'all to, to go, go to, uh, go to the store and get movies and stuff like that. So it sounds, it sounds like he didn't ever, uh, try to censor you guys. Was there like a, no limit on what you can watch? Cause our mom, there's, there's a difference between your dad taking you to do that stuff. Our mom just never was never paying attention to what we watched. So me and right. Blake were five and seven or eight watching hellraiser and stuff no, like that just because well. my mom didn't know what we were watching she didn't want to pay attention but it sounds like your dad like took y'all and let you just like really it kind of helped like he let you did he didn't hold y'all back to what y'all wanted what y'all wanted to experience that's pretty cool right yeah um in our household our mom was was certainly the the quote the the disciplinarian yeah all right but 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 that being said they were both very uh liberal you know they're both very uh sort of find yourself do you know do do very your, supportive yeah so you know that being said i think there were some sometimes like because my dad it was like a, a, our older brother in some ways like he was yeah. like come on like let me show you all Let's these go do some stuff we're not supposed to do like yeah ice like, cream for dinner and stuff you know we're we're like eight and nine years old and he's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like, <laughs> let me let me introduce you to this. And uh, he, I remember he would always tell us like he went and saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the drive-in, and it was so dark. You know, at that time there wasn't uh, 4K restoration. There wasn't, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know. And by the by the time these these movies got circulated, these prints, you know, these prints going through projectors, by the time they, you know, they would get beat up. And they would, oh, yeah. you know, Beat they would get the dark. And, and my dad would say, like, I remember he said, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the drive-in. It was, like, terrifying because it was, you could barely see anything. And you could just hear, like, this girl screaming. And chainsaws. You know? Yeah, and, and the chainsaw. And and, and so, um, you know, him telling those stories. And then we would go to the video store. And just like every kid, you know, you're staring at the back of, like, those VHS boxes. And oh, yeah. you want to see these scenes. Um, but yeah, our, I mean, it was like a free-for-all. Like our dad would, he would rent us everything. I mean, the first concert I ever went to was uh, Alice Cooper. And I was, oh, my dad took us to see Alice Cooper when I was nine years old. Oh, and, you know, man. he's up on stage, like uh, having his head chopped off. He's like being hanged by a noose. And, wow. Do you, you even know, comprehend that as a nine-year-old? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But I loved it. Just, yeah, it was just like and a... I, and I think and I, I tell my dad to this day, like uh, how grateful I am that he did that, that he let us, you know, yeah. I didn't end up, I, I, I guess I could have been a serial killer, but instead, like I'm fascinated with horror in, yeah. in, in, in another way. And You're um, just killing folks in movies. It's OK. Yes. And it's fine. But uh, but yeah, I mean, the the whole uh, idea you know that i mean i'm really thankful that we had parents that let us That's i mean awesome. there, again every now and then my, our mom would look at our dad like seriously you rented them you know robocop or gore or, wizard or, or something yeah like that. or whatever <laughs> but there was a uh 
one time I went to I went to Florida with a friend of mine's mom and their family. I was I don't know like thirteen or something, and uh, I had I had these like a stack of Playboys I'd been uh, collecting, and yeah. for, the <clears throat> so I was, for the articles, and so. I, because I was leaving, I like jammed them into my, the bottom of my closet and, and put all these blankets on top of them, like just bury like this mountain. Yeah. So, so like if my mom went in there, she wouldn't, she would just see like a mess. And so I went on this trip with my friend's family and I got back and my room was like immaculate. And oh, I, no. I opened, yeah, I opened the closet door <laughs> and th- my entire closet was like perfectly organized. And there was this like, stack of playboys like perfect little stack at the bottom of the closet and i was like oh man she knows and uh so i didn't say anything about it and uh like that night at dinner she was like that's quite the uh magazine collection you have huh she went until dinner time in front of everybody (laughs) yeah she didn't say but she was like totally cool and i was like well since you don't care she she said something like it's better than uh me finding drugs in your closet yeah and i was like well since you know I want to get a subscription. And so like from that day to like, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe I have like every issue of Playboy. That's awesome. Like, yeah. <laughs> I still have them. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it was so our parents were like cool in that way, you know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, and so, uh, you know, I talked to some guys my age and they, they didn't start getting into horror until like they were, um in their 20s or whatever you know i'm like uh almost 43 so like i have this head start like in some ways like i've seen before i was even in high school i had seen you know most of what was out there well i think it's different too that some of the things you watch when you're a kid have a different a different impact on you say like so you watch something when you were nine and then so these these younger guys watch that same movie when they're 20 or 25 it doesn't influence you in the same way oh without a doubt you know and that's the thing too. Like, uh, there was the one movie, like our mom, like it was like totally forbidden. Like we weren't even allowed to bring it into the house. Was The Exorcist? So it's <laughs> yeah, a big one. I, so we. So I remember uh, there was a grocery store called Great Scott that was like right across the street, and they had a little video section. So mm-hmm. I would just run over there, and I remember I uh, we rented The Exorcist because it was you know, talked about and everyone oh, yeah. talked about it, but I hadn't been able to see it. So it was like, that was the only thing like my mom would, if she found out, she would kill me if yeah. I brought it into the house, there was something about it. So we took it next door to my friend's house and watched that. And, you know, I, I hear people uh, even from time to time be like, the exorcist is just stupid. It's, well, you yeah, know, it's it not seems scary. Dumb now. But when you like, as a kid, like there, there are things about, like the nostalgia aspect of those movies that are still terrifying you 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 associate like how you felt when you were a kid you know the same Mm -hmm. with nightmare on elm street like um there when 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 i i love that movie um but when i watch it now there are parts where i'm kind of like man that's that's a little silly but i can remember uh um our babysitter telling us it was the scariest movie ever made and Nightmare on elm street is the scariest movie ever made and uh it was on sh- like Cinemax or something. I can't remember a channel we didn't have, uh, which that's another thing I'll mention. But w- but we didn't have this channel. But I saw that it was on there, and I I uh, flipped the TV to that station, and it was kind of like my dad's Texas Chainsaw story. Like there was a scrambled image, 
and I could just hear people screaming and I could hear Freddie's you know, Freddie laughing or something. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, this is awesome. Like I cannot wait to see this, but we didn't, we didn't have a lot of money growing up and I don't know how my dad did it, but he, he was able to convince my mom we needed HBO. Wow. So Steve, money, Steve still raves about HBO. Now when I talk to oh, Steve, yes. he raves about HBO. It's yeah. We don't but, have it. We, uh, we buy a couple of Blu-rays of HBO. Like we bought, I'm going to get a side trip. We bought Chernobyl and we bought like oh, Lovecraft yeah. country and yeah. stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. uh, we just haven't dipped our toe. We've got so many streaming services. HBO is just another box yeah. to check maybe, but maybe right. one day we'll jump in. Yeah. I always like, I always jump on the trials and I'll do the trials for a couple of weeks yeah. and then cancel it and wait for another trial to come up and get caught up. <laughs> like not 90 email addresses set aside for this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cheap, man. And I'm, but I'm like you guys too. We have like, I don't know, four or five streaming services and it's like, yeah. but yeah. So another one. Yeah. I don't yeah. use all of them to their fullest as it is. Yeah, anyway. Right. Yeah. So for, again, for whatever, however my dad did it, we were able to get HBO and uh, tells from the crypt was like, was, and is still my, I mean, my most cherished uh, show anthology Mm-hmm. all of those things yeah that's why we have a we, we have a box set of that we got it mckay's here in nashville and the box set just sitting there kind of unwatched i feel bad about it we keep we keep staring i stared at it every day when i go to bed the whole box set every every season of tales from the crypt we hadn't even cracked it open yet There's so some, you guys haven't seen them i've seen we've seen pieces. bits and pieces as you're growing up you catch them on tv right. and stuff like that but i haven't like we need to we really you know like i said we said there's so many streaming services but we need to like it's so hard to sit down to just one thing all the time. And you're just like, I could be watching this. I could be watching that. Oh, this is out now. And then, and then, and it's so easy, like, you know, to just be on a streaming thing and just click something streaming instead of getting up and, you know, human beings were lazy to get up and put a disc into a thing and the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah. We're just bad about that. I, I, I love, I love having physical media. Like I love yeah. opening saw- it yeah, yeah. Blake's still all about, all yeah. about it. Yeah, for me, you you just talking about Toast in the Crypt. I think Toast in the Crypt, for me, I, I love this movie. One of my favorite movies of all time is a uh, Toast in the Crypt Demon Knight. Oh yeah, like and, and that's that sparked in me. I don't remember. I watched that like I definitely shouldn't have watched it when I saw it on TV. I'm sure, <laughs> but that sparked an interest in me in uh, dark comedies and horror comedies, and that being one of my favorite genres. Yeah, even dark to this comedy. Day. Yeah, horror comedies. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And, like for you, you mentioned uh, like you said Nightmare on Elm Street being your uh, movie of your childhood. For me, I'm not entirely sure how we got a hold of it. I think our mom's boyfriend rented it and brought it over, and we ended up stealing it and watching it downstairs in the kitchen or in the bed in the living room. And for us, it was um, I was six, maybe. I think when I when we first saw Hellraiser. Yeah. Oh. Should never watch Hellraiser. That to this day, Hellraiser uh, Pinhead is still my favorite horror yeah. An- antagonist. Yeah, and, and it's just one, and that also has provided me with a love. Uh, with uh, was it? It, it would be Hellraiser, John Carpenter's thing, and David Cronenberg's The Fly, and has given me a love for practical effects. Mm-hmm. Versus oh yeah, special effects. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the the looking at those those practical effects there's nothing like it i mean you brought up the thing it's like some of the best practical effects you know of all time and rob Bottin, when when rob Bottin did those he was like 21 or something like that yeah and when the shoot was over he had to be treated for exhaustion because he was oh. 
working so hard on those effects. Well, yeah. I can believe it. Like, still, uh, on the topic of Nightmare, obviously, you saw the you've seen you saw years later the Nightmare remake with uh, Earl Jackie Haley. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah, Jackie so Earl you know Haley. that they did the the Freddy's hand coming through the wall. The original was practical, and then they CGI'd it. Yeah, in the remake, and it looked like awful. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. And they why the, bother? And I surely, you know, the CGI version cost astronomically more yeah. than doing the practical. I just, I don't, I don't know where people get the idea of they did stuff the, like that. And it, with that same movie, they did the exact same thing with like the his intro of being seen in the movie is when the girl is running down the alleyway and he has his hand stretched all the way across right. the alleyway. They did the crazy practical in the original, and they did the crappy CGI in Sports the in the stuff. remake, and it was just awful. Like why? And it, like you said, it cost more. To do the CGI when you could just did a practical yeah. and paid homage to the original with the practical. Right. I don't know. I don't yeah. know the reason. It's I think it's studio heads and people higher up the chain and stuff like that, just saying things got to be done a certain way, maybe. Because well, like in a in a genre that should push trends, they're so busy chasing trends to bother trying to come up with anything original. It's really yeah. sad. Though. It's. I mean, they want the sure. Uh, there's a certainty with intellectual property, you know, there's a certainty yeah. with things that are already are established, you know, sequels, uh, all the Marvel stuff. They, they know that those are bankable pieces yeah. of work. So it, it's, it's, unless you get like Tom Cruise to get behind some, an original property, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even, you know, the studios they just they don't take risks like they did you know in like the new hollywood like in the 70s late 60s and the 70s where it was sort of like the wild wild west where they were just giving filmmakers you know money and they would go make things like easy rider and it's different now well, there's a sort of oh, i got I got almost a renaissance in certain people i know with uh, jordan peele's monkey paw studio he's trying to promote more um indie films and same thing with um elijah woods's um Spectre yeah. vision they're trying yeah. to be more uh genre specific and try mm -hmm. to do that and help smaller uh film makers to you know elevate them to a higher level at least yeah yeah, yeah. um i mean in blumhouse they they're doing you know five million dollar sort of movies which is which is low budget you know it's not low now budget it, like it, the not not like the movies that i make yeah budget. I guess Blumhouse is the quote. It's I guess it's considered low budget. But I feel like Blumhouse. Now this is just me, but I feel like Blumhouse is maybe getting a little too big for its britches. Like it's yeah. I don't I don't know that that's just yeah that's just yeah. me. Every movie is produced by Blumhouse now, and it's getting yeah. a little annoying to see Blumhouse Studios pop up. Right. Um, what do you got? Um, I wanted to ask this one. Okay. Um, because we've been talking about yeah, because mostly you've been talking about horror genre. And I believe most of your movies, I would, I think all of them would be are horror, uh, very in one horror. sense or the other, art house horror or like right. horror comedy. Um, are there any genres that you would like to pursue or that you aren't comfortable pursuing? You know what I mean? Like, um, like um different. I no, I mean, it, the weird thing is, I, I mean, I would, I would like to, I would like to make a science fiction movie one day, um, mm -hmm. but. There, you know, 
the the thing about science fiction is they're for the for the most part those those are require more money you know um well yeah but, all, the, all the effects yeah right but then you have movies like um i don't know if you ever seen like shane Cruz's primer it was like a ridiculously low budget movie mm-hmm. um and but but i don't have one of those ideas you know i would have to have an idea that i really loved that was like a primer budget size idea um what's what's primer about to keep it it's it's like a time jump kind of a weird you you have to check it out so is there a particular sci-fi is a a broad genre are you would you want to do a it's it's a dangerous genre but you want to do a time travel movie or are you thinking more like aliens or machines or i would like to do an alien movie alien alien movie cool cool yeah um but again, it's, you know, it's one of those things where I've written a lot of stuff like that, but the, mm-hmm. like the ambition, like for me to do it myself, like to, to raise it, like it just wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing it the service that it would, you know, it, it would deserve. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I tell my wife this all the time and I don't even think she believes me, but I would like to do, I would like to do a romantic comedy. Really? Um, yeah. I would like to do like a, there's something about Mary kind of a movie okay a lot of people don't realize like i'm silly like i don't yeah like i'm a goofy if you we'll talk about your other movies probably but if you follow your line of work of your movies like it seems pretty serious at first and then you see tennessee gothic and you're like oh this dude's can can be hilarious like it's it's right it was such a turn for that i bet a lot of people who follow your work were really blindsided by Tennessee Gothic, which we were kind of, we've seen your stuff. So we were blindsided by Tennessee Gothic as well. We didn't know it was going to be funny. Yeah. Some people were like, I think a, a little bit annoyed by that. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, not annoyed, but they'd seen the other stuff and they, you know, they were like, Oh, this is like kind of goofy. But you know, when I was on the festival circuit with like, um, like Gracie and a measure of the sin, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you're sitting with an audience, uh, you're when when it's your film, you're not really watching your film. You're watching you're watching reactions. You want to see yeah. how, how people are you know enjoying it or how they aren't enjoying it. Um, and so for though for my previous movies, it was a grueling experience sitting in the theater because you know I'm just watching people just stare at the screen. They're just staring at the screen. They're not smiling. They're not crying. They're just staring at the screen. And then the movie ends and they sort of just quietly file out. Well, that's, and you're like, what did they think? Well, but that's, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's the way they should have reacted. But it's, For measure, at least, I think. Right, right. So, <laughs> But it was kind of, it was like maddening in some ways. And, yeah. I, and again, I am like silly. I love comedy. Um, and I, I knew I wanted to do something that was really dark, but mm-hmm. also kind of funny next. Um, and then I did tennessee gothic and it was awesome to go to festivals and screenings and people are like engaged they're like laughing you know yeah, yeah. Really, people laughing at uh, their jokes are with, yeah. uh, the, when they're supposed to be laughing and they're right. laughing is a feeling with uh with we're floating around but with tennessee gothic i was wondering because i know that uh tennessee gothic is based on an, an, another short story right is the mm-hmm. uh the original short story was it a comedy or was that how you how you rewrote your screenplay to make it to add in the comedy to it it was the the original story was definitely silly it was called american gothic 
Mm-hmm. And it was written by a guy named Ray Russell who'd written like uh, The Man with the X-Ray Eyes and Incubus, Sardonicus, and all these sort of like classic um, Roger Corman, William Castle did did some of his, his yeah, stuff. I think I've heard of The Man with the X-Ray Eyes before. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Milland was in that. And it was a Roger Corman production. Um, but yeah, the story, it was, I read it in a, in a anthology called dark masks and it had like Stephen King and Ramsey Campbell and all these other guys in there. But, uh, but yeah, the story was silly. Um, but I don't know if it was as silly as the, as I wanted to make the movie, you know, I, when I wrote the script and I was sending it to everyone, I was like, you know, this is going to be goofy. Like this is not totally serious. How old is the story? Did you have to modernize it a little bit when you wrote the screenplay? Oh yeah, yeah. The yeah. story was published, um, I think, in '87, but but um, that was sort of the end of uh, towards the end of Ray Russell's career. He died in '99, I think. Um, but the story actually, even though it was written in the '80s or published in the '80s, the story was like really old. Like they were driving like old, like flivver car, like little like Model Ts and stuff. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, so so the story was 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 a lot older, and I had to mo- modernize quite a bit. Um, the girl, uh, she didn't speak English at all, like so oh, yeah. she didn't have any dialogue in the, in this short story. And there were a lot of different things that had to be changed. Um, yeah. You don't anyway. think you don't think you would have done it? You, you would have done a version where she didn't speak. No, Is and it- I thought I thought about doing that, but I wanted the uh, I wanted the the girl to be more of a. Um, a likable character yeah and i i couldn't figure out how to do that if she wasn't speaking able to, yeah i mean emoting at least in some way yeah because the idea is she needs to be really charming you know and yeah. really like believable that she's going to like um get these guys like in her in her fold mm-hmm. uh and, and it was just going to be more fun for me to do it that way you know that's awesome. Um, something else? Yeah. Well, well besides, because uh, we said you know you're a filmmaker, you director. Um, what other jobs have you done, or and which ones do you like more, like the editing or sound production? Like, what all do you do besides the directing exactly? I mean, again, getting back to uh, the budgets, like whatever is necessary. You know, yeah. I mean, in in my earlier films. I had a really great editor, um, David Bowen. He had cut everything up until A Measure of the Sin. So he edited all my movies through Gracie and he was fantastic. And he's still one of my, my great friends, but he, uh, he got married, started having kids more, that'll do it more time, uh, on his, his paid projects and just, and he had done so many freebies for me. Um, so anyway, with the measure of the sin, I, uh, I just, I was like, I don't have the money to hire an editor. So I'm just going to have to cut this in myself. Yeah. Um, and Andy so, World. yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that, but yeah. the cool thing about having an editor, you know, particularly someone, somebody like Bowen who I had was like, he was really good at like, uh, calling me out on stuff you know like Mm -hmm. like i'm trying to hang on to a scene or a shot and he's like it doesn't work he's got this country accent you know he's like jeff this shot doesn't work man you know (laughs) you gotta we gotta dump it or the movie will is gonna be junk you know yeah how how is it with uh work with him or or any editor to make sure that they're because everybody has their own vision how is it how is 
so is it he was uh, working in a way where his, his vision kind of match your vision or what you were I know everybody talks about what a director sees in their head getting it onto the camera is one of the hardest things is it's because you're just projecting your own your own thoughts onto a screen and then but have to somebody else do the editing I mean how do right. you match up your vision well that was that was another thing we we were very like our minds were very similar and I mean he had gotten to know like the way that I like what I like you know yeah. the way I worked and he would compliment those things. Like if we had a problem right. and again, we're shooting such a small ratio. We, what, there's what's called a shooting ratio. And okay. that's like how many, how many takes or angles you're doing of a particular scene. Yeah. Um, so there would be such a small amount of that because we're particularly because we're shooting on film, yeah. we would only have a limited number of takes. So there wasn't a lot of stuff he could do to really change the tone of the movie anyway with with our our work yeah um but anyway so uh i can't even remember your question now were you asking me what the fa what my favorite part of the process was like what other positions did you feel and which one would it like if you couldn't direct which one would you prefer to do oh oh like, well, i would like, if, like another job that you would prefer to do if i if i couldn't direct i would for sure just write right okay no, i was just right um but if but that sort of goes hand in hand um and if it wasn't that i would as strange as it is it is we can get into it if you guys want to but as strange as as it is i would i like sound a lot um yeah. and and a lot of that came because of how complicated the sound was on my last movie yeah. to do um but i really started digging sound i mean i've always liked it i've always yeah. enjoyed it but i had i was forced to learn like a whole lot about sound and uh and then and now i'm like i don't have anything like i was just telling aaron my wife the other night i was like man i want to make someone else's movie like i want to do the sound design and make someone else's movie like yeah you've i think you've done you've done I don't know what the job is called, but you've done camera work already for other people at other movies well, already. You've already done cinematography, or, 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 yeah. photographer, or something like that. Yeah, that is. You've done that, so you want to you want to go to somebody's movie and literally just do the sound for them. You, I think it, I think that would be fun. Um, yeah. yeah, like uh, uh, my friend Louis Dorge, I shot his movie Night of the Babysitter, which is has we've, been we've heard uh, it's, we've heard there's a problems. Yeah, we've heard yeah, from Steve's so problems. It's that movie is just. I, I want to see it I, real bad. <laughs> I don't know when. Like I actually have that movie now. I got all the elements from Louis. Yeah. Um. And if I have time, I might try to finish it with Harry. I think you guys met Harry Walker. We, yeah, we know Harry. Yeah. So uh, the, he and I are going to try and we're going to try and sit down and see what it, it, that movie needs to be finished. Um. Yeah. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, so Steve said it was damaged. I mean, we ain't got to go into this because it's it might be private for dude if he's upset about it. I mean, I don't want to get into his private stuff no no, no it was said it was damaged in some way i think steve told me yeah it got the the film got scratched at the lab and yeah. um he got really broken hearted over it which rightly so exactly yeah because yeah. you can't redo it i mean yeah so we're trying to figure out like um you know yeah we won't go like real deep into that but but i shot that for him and it's actually a really awesome like good looking you know kind of crime movie yeah. Um, and then I just shot Chad's movie, uh, Dementor, his new movie that we I yeah, mentioned earlier about, that's yeah. coming out. Um, but yeah, and I, I like to, I mean, I like shooting for other people and, and, um, but it's just one of those things like, uh, I, 
I've done so much of it. I shot my own movies mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, for a while. And uh, Eric came in and shot uh, Tennessee Gothic for me. So I wouldn't have to, to deal with it. But, um, but, but, but shooting is something, and that's something that I do a lot of on my, with my quote unquote day job. Like mm -hmm. I go shoot like a lot of music stuff. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Sound is something that's still sort of fresh. The same with editing. I've just edited so much and it's not that I don't like any of those things, but the sound is the sound at this point is the thing that has the most, uh, exciting sort of, uh, there's something about, um, sound like only my only experience is with this actual podcast. And I, I've learned sound editing on the fly just as I go. And there's something about like, there's like something is said and then something else is said and you don't kind of like how it flows and like the picking up and moving something or cutting out a certain words. And then you hit, you hit play and, and it's like the part you didn't like never existed. And it sounds so good. There's mm -hmm. just a weird feeling like, in, like in your gut, you're like, man, that is, that's neat that like this sounds yeah. how I want it to sound now. Right. Yeah. And then, I, and then, and then other times it doesn't fix it. And <laughs> yeah. And you're like, it. yeah. <laughs> we got that we got background noise and other nonsense like i'll i'll talk about it i, I never mentioned it before on the on the podcast because it, it's kind of fairly obvious usually but earlier in the podcast i would uh we spent a lot i spent a whole lot of time editing out the stutter the stutter that i have oh. and it was grueling to try to edit that out all the time and eventually i was just like it takes me seven hours to edit an hour and a half podcast because I want to, I want a nitty gritty cut out every time I stutter. I'm just like, this is worthless. I mean, it's, it's not doing me any favors and I don't, I don't know. It was, it was exhausting. So eventually if people listen to the podcast, they will know there's a certain point where like the audio, it, like all of a sudden, like, Oh, this, this dude's got a freaking stutter. Where did that come from? I've had that, it the entire time and I just got sick of editing it. That's, that's, that's part of who you are, man. Exactly. It's part of I your feel like personality. It it, yeah. I feel like it helped. I mean, cause I don't, everybody who knows me know, knows about it was whatever. I just thought maybe people would get sick of hearing it in the podcast in the beginning. I don't even know when I stopped editing it. I just like one time I was just like, I can't do, I can't edit this this way no more. Like it was just, it was too much work. And I tried to get, uh, my fiance Jessica was editing for a while and she was like, I'm sick of all these stutters all the time. It's so much editing. And she, she quit editing for us for a long time ago. And back when we had a couple of two hour podcasts, she wasn't enjoying that either, but, uh, you know, know it's if, something if, about, and then I think, like you said, it's part of who I am, I guess. So I feel like it maybe adds a sense of personality to the, yeah. to the audio or the podcast, maybe without a doubt. And you know, if, uh, if someone's not going to listen to your podcast because they don't like the stutter, uh, then you don't need those listeners anyway. Yeah, you, you need those going wrong. You got some with other problems yeah. with them. Yeah. Yeah. So don't even, I would yeah. never, you know, yeah. I would embrace it. I'm not even self conscious about the stutter in real life. Honestly, I just thought it would, uh, people or audio files, I guess. And I hear a lot of on other podcasts, people complain about so many other things in podcasts like coughs or just swallowing or breathing too loud. So many people complain about stuff on podcasts. I was initially thinking like people are going to hate this because it's, there's just so much of this in it that I have to do this. I have to do this extra amount of work to make no. it, to make the, make the, make the audio sound presentable. And even back then, it, what did it matter? Because, you know, back then we had crappier microphones and everything was crappier. So it sounded like shit anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'm so, done ranting. Well, while on the subject of sound, uh, me and Drew 
well, we went to the world premiere of Tennessee Gothic. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. That was a super fun experience. And when everything was said and done, we, we got to talking after and we mentioned uh, there's a, a gnarly piece of Foley that you end. had to use near the end for something. Uh-huh. Um, we don't want to spoil that, but that Foley was really interesting. Yeah, I because uh, I know some other uh, kind of bigger directors. One specifically is uh, Eli Roth. He loves Foley art specifically uh-huh. to the point one of his, because he, uh, I don't know if you are, but when someone brings a new sound to you or a new sound to a Foley artist, that Foley artists are super excited. And Eli Roth specifically brought... Um, for cabin fever when the girl is shaving her leg and the skin comes up oh yeah he sure ha- he has it's a shovel being drug across black ice and that's the sound that they used yeah it's cool so i was curious if you could explain uh the sound sa- um that foley sound at the end of the movie like how like it was gnarly yeah um it's hard to do it without so, spoiling what it is yeah, but, I don't wanna... but we know what the i know what you guys are talking about um yeah. so yeah, and actually, first I should say, like, the, the screen you guys were at, the bell court, and I worked really hard on the sound, and I was, I am very proud of the sound, how it turned yeah. out, and in fact, like, I strangely just won an award in a festival for best sound, like, it's, it's crazy, it's, I mean, we've talked to you about sound a bunch on your, and you were, even at the premiere, you were kind of, uh, well, I don't know well that's what I was gonna, yeah, at, go at the bell court, I mean, I won't go into through the technical details, yeah, but to, people don't want to understand the, to, to play the movie that night, the Belcourt projectionist had to convert the file I gave him into something else. And oh. it like messed the sound up. And so the sound was like that night was like peaking, like you could hear it distort. And it was just it, it was bad. Um, but some of the oh. other screenings we've had, it sounds like amazing, like in these theaters. But I was really bummed out that night. So uh, to get back to the the <laughs> the, uh, the the sound you guys are talking about, so uh, they're not here anymore because we are having an, an addition built on our house. But uh, we had these bamboo trees um, in our backyard, and every year they're such a pain because we, they're they grow massive and then they start mm-hmm. to die, and they just like will fall over and they're just a pain to cut down and get rid of. But anyway, I cut these things down and they're just full of water and just really like fibrous sort of just when you squeeze them, they just crunch, they crunch and they have this really gnarly sound. And so I dragged a bunch of those into my office with a sound blanket and Harry Walker and I for like an afternoon, (laughs) <laughs> just would crunch these things and you know use different like uh not like it's funny because you think a knife would be like the perfect sound but a knife wasn't giving us the right sound so we had like uh garden tools like little garden uh rakes and just seriously and yeah just, it was like an afternoon of us just was recording it- was it like when you're initially like in your backyard chopping one down and you hit one a couple of times and you, oh yeah is there like a light bulb you're like Without a doubt, you're could, like this. I could use this. This is I perfect this. for you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it was it was a lot of that, and you know, uh, layered upon layer. Like I think I had like forty layers of sound for some of those, yeah. like the the scene you're talking about, and you know, I would uh, they would be uh, uh, pitch shifted and 
you know, bring it, bringing the semitones down and just all kinds of manipulation to make it sound, you know, is, wetter, uh, is, drier. We, we love Foley. A lot of people don't really know what Foley is. I was watching a movie the other day and the credits were rolling. I was watching a movie with Jessica and she was, saw, was just reading stuff off. She's like Foley artist. I was like, you don't know what Foley is. So I don't think people know what Foley is exactly. You don't have to explain it. It's real. I mean, it's more, a. Uh, no, I mean, I can explain it quickly. It's just okay, Foley yeah. is, is just as Foley are the, are the sounds that are recorded that are any kind of body movement sounds. So like footsteps, shirts, rustling, um, any of that kind of stuff. I think Foley. I think a good, like I think a good bags on the table. They have body, special. Yeah. I think a good classic Foley. Uh, I've always seen Foley as kind of a way to pe people to make things sound the way you think they sound. I think a classic bit of Foley is somebody punching somebody. It never sounds, it don't sound good when you just hit somebody. So there's always Foley artists always amp up the sound of a fist or somebody hitting somebody right. with, with a different sound. That's, that's, yeah. that's, I think that's a classic bit of Foley. I think yeah, yeah. that tends to be done with like a, a wrapped up phone book slapping against a ham or a watermelon yeah, or something. something like that. Right. Right. Is you there real um, noise? So I want to get away from the, the spoiler territory. Is there another bit of Foley across your work that you're particularly proud of that's, that doesn't fall into a spoiler territory that you could talk about? Um, no, it's a tough question, maybe, because there's a lot of stuff you've done. But In Tennessee Gothic, I put in, like, several farts, and that was fun. <laughs> like, I would laugh. I think I, think Blake, I had, like – Blake's I think a I had, sucker for party humor. Like, it just dude, kills him. I am, too. Uh, it's, and I had like I had like ten of them in there, and now I think there's only like one or two, but I had like ten of them. Tone in there. down the farts, and and uh, you know Eric Stanzi, the DP, because I would send you know as I was working on the movie, I would send cuts to people, yeah, you know, daily or whatever, to criticize like so I could get you know make them film better, and uh, and uh, so I remember Eric going, there are too many farts, and I kind of knew there were too many farts. <laughs> You just, you, know, somebody, you just need somebody to say it. Yeah, and uh, and so I think he told Jackie. Uh, yeah, I told Jeff there are too many farts, and she's like, "He's not going to take those out. He's got the he's got the sense of humor of a ten year old." And I was like, "I do have the sense of humor of a ten year old," but I ended up taking them out. Those were fun. I mean, uh, there's a scene where uh, the reverend and his wife go to have dinner with yep. the uh, so. They're, the the dinner that the the taggets make is like disgusting. Like I show shots, like there's like boiled bacon and it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so when Caleb the kid like digs into it, uh, I had a lot of fun with that. We used to uh, Murphy, our Rottweiler that you guys know. Yep. Uh, he, he he's no longer with us, but when he was, we would make him these uh, this big pot of. Um, it was like oats and tuna and chicken, like all this stuff. Wow. And it was, it was nasty King's to look feast. at. Yeah. <laughs> but he loved, we would, yeah. we would smuggle his uh, medication in it. There you go. But uh, I was making that for him one day and it just had this nasty, like squishy sound. And I was like, hell yeah. And I took the pot of it out to the office and I was, you know, recording that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, uh, that same scene uh, when the Reverend, he's chomping on the celery yeah and uh harry i had harry sitting out here for like three hours just eating celery so i guess i guess 
him him just biting a celery in the movie just doesn't wouldn't have the wouldn't catch the sound that you wanted to have. I mean, it was there. You know, it was yeah. on the microphone. It was you recorded it more. Pronounced. I wanted it to be a lot more annoying. There you, you go. Know? Yeah. Um, and uh, and that's how you know when you're watching that. Some people are like, "God, that's like loud." Like you know, like yeah, it's well, that's the point. Funny. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, so. Uh, but yeah, I mean, all through it, I could go on and on. I mean, they're just, yeah, I think um, it's a, it's a very underappreciated art. I, I feel like at least, uh, I, I love Foley. I just, yeah, I, well, as I've gotten older, I appreciate it. I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Growing up, you don't yeah. know probably when you're a kid, but as I've yeah. gotten, become more of a cinephile, like, I don't know anyone's name. I'm like, Oh, I couldn't say, but like, I can hear certain things be like, that was good. That was really nice. Like, the right. Real good yeah. crunching or. Yeah. Some sort of gnarly noise, especially in collusion with a fantastic practical effect. Yeah. Right. Again, yeah. And that's the, that's the thing, too. Like, you might have a sound, you're like, oh, this is perfect. But then when you put it with your particular picture, it's like, man, that doesn't work as well as I, you know, thought. Yeah. Back to the drawing so board. To, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so that's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, that stuff is fun. And, but the, the, the dialogue uh, for that movie, for whatever reason, we just had so many audio issues like uh this recordings from the set like the audio yeah. the level was so low that we that i had to pump it up to to be where it needed to be you know i jack had to jack it way up so it was at an acceptable level yeah. and when you do that you're pulling up the noise floor and if for the yeah. people that don't know no the noise floor is just the a noise floor exists like no matter what so the the better quality your mic is the better quality your preamp all these things keep the noise floor to a minimum the noise floor is just like the noise like if you just were absolutely quiet what you're hearing that's the noise yeah. floor um, uh, people of our podcast will be familiar with our uh our ac unit in the background sometimes a lot of our episodes of our ac except i'm not a professional editor i don't know how to get the ac out of what you're calling this the sound floor exactly what that is is like sometimes the ac's off right now but usually in a lot of our podcasts you can just hear it just humming away in the background the entire time we're on and that's pretty much what you mean there's if i had a if we had our if i was a better editor or other things like that 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 would that would be gone and you would hear nothing which is what right. you want but i can't pull it off <laughs> yeah there i mean there are tool like like isotope uh rx is a software that I, that I have that I bought specifically because of that. Yeah. And, uh, and again, I just grew to like really love, even though it was a massive pain, I was like, man, I really like these tools. Like they're really yeah. cool, you know? Um, yeah. So anyway, that was, you, you said that um, with the movie, like the horrible audio, was that like the worst experience you've had making a movie or like the most miserable or are there like some other ones that are like that trump that like a most miserable experience making movie this can be pre or post and not not particular a person's name yeah i am um, for sure from a technical standpoint the sound was on tennessee gothic was the was the one that lasted the longest i mean it took me probably a year to do the sound but i was alone like I didn't have anyone else to to mess with me. So it wasn't, so it was, you know, I mean, I would just send out messages to people saying like, be patient. I'm, yeah. I'm working as hard as I can on it. Um, I did a film. It's probably been, I don't, let's see, 2021. It's like 15 years ago. I did a movie 
it was sort of like at the early part of my career, if you want to call it what I have a career. Um, and Wait, still, I, so that's a career. It counts. I went to, I, I was actually like hired to direct a, a film. And I won't talk about details. I'll tell you yep. guys like off the air maybe. Yeah. But uh, I, um, I couldn't stand the people I was working with. The wow. uh, like the talent, the actors were awesome, but the people, but one person in particular that uh, I couldn't stand her. Like, and I and the shoot was a short one, it was only like four days, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was miserable for four straight days, yeah. and it, it felt like a year. Um, That's but other sucks. than that, yeah. But that, but that would bleed into the you don't think about it, but something like that that will bleed into the to the feel of the movie or whatever you're filming like it like uh, the average viewer might not see it but I feel like that kind of mood on a set like that it, it, it gets into the movie like I, yeah I mean, or, or whatever it, it, not a movie or whatever you're filming it, it gets into it I feel like it's just worse off for it yeah I mean it was just one of those things where I mean, I don't even talk about the movie. I mean, I don't yeah. even think it's out there. I mean, I have it, but it's yeah. not been, it, it did festivals yeah. and stuff. And then it, the life was, I mean, it was over. Was um, and I'm not, and I'm proud of it, of yeah. the end product, but it was my, it was my uh, just constant battle, man. It was, it was a constant battle. Was, um, was, sorry, was this before you've done, was this before you done any of your own stuff? I had done, no, I had done some, I had done blind for sure. Okay. My first thing. Okay. So I was wondering if maybe that something like that would have like, so you, like you said, you grew up, you wanted to direct, you wanted to direct and you, you get, you get that kind of job and it sucks. And you're and like, what that would may have turned you away, be like, man, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Maybe I don't want to direct anymore, but it's no. good, that you, good that you've already done something of your own beforehand. It definitely, I actually, it was cool because I learned like some valuable lessons like early on. And a lot of that is about, um, I mean, we can't always control who we're, who we work with. Exactly. I do like, uh, like my shoots all the time that I do, like I do a bunch, I've been doing a ton of music stuff now, like, um, shooting and editing and most of the people are pretty cool. You know I mean? I go and and we get along and, and whatever, but if they weren't, I would just have to, do my job and get through the day. Um, But it's different when it's, you know, when you're directing a film, you're giving part of, of, of who you are, your personality to the, to the, your, it's a passion thing. You know, when you're going to just shoot for someone else, you're just, it's a technical thing. You're, 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 you gotta have a good friend. Yeah. I mean, I still enjoy it, but, but, it's it was it's when you're when you're making a creative like endeavor with a group of people that you're living with i mean particularly like with a feature for tennessee gothic we all lived in a church for a month like a yeah. you know a church that wasn't functioning we all just had air mattresses and you know if you don't like the people you're with in an environment like that it's going to suck so yeah. you know katie groshong who's produce like everything i've done for a long time she also acts she's the leading dementor um she and i like we have like a vetting process you know i mean we're yeah. like okay are we gonna be able to stand you for 20 something days or whatever you know <laughs> um but yeah a- again i mean 
that's and that other than that i mean i've had really good uh i've had really good experiences i mean we've had on tennessee gothic like our our lights kept blowing um we couldn't figure it out like so we were losing bulbs left and right um on louis movie that we talked about before night of the babysitter um it came back with uh two rolls of film uh had a scratch on them so that's 11 that's 22 minutes of footage wow. had just a bit right down the middle like a big scratch and i uh, i cried like physically yeah. like broke down when i got the news about it because you know if it was my own film it would suck um but i would deal with it it would just be on me i would have to deal yeah, with it exactly. on my own but but i had shot this movie for someone else and the lab made a mistake and i had to like explain it to him and and now i mean i still carry that guilt so that was a that's a tragedy you know yeah um, hopefully you can still work it out though to get it out there in some yeah form. i mean the the you movie can't cut out 22 minutes of the movie but yeah i mean it's 22 minutes of raw footage not not you oh, know okay. not the not the amount of film that would be actually yeah. in the movie, but it is a scene, but, but that movie calls for sort of a grindhouse style. So we might embrace that scratch and like you and, and keep the dirt and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I don't and know who knows, like, you know, when the movie finally comes out, they could be like, Oh, that cra was a crazy special effect that they just did that slash. That was cool. How they did. Like, there could be like a talked about favorite scene or something. <laughs> Never know. People, sometimes, people, yeah, those happy accidents are like people's favorite parts. Like, it's just that's how things happen sometimes. Yeah, I mean, people will for sure think we did it. Think we put it in there. Yeah, you know, yeah. like you you mentioned Jaws earlier. You know, I mean, Jaws mentioned that again. Dude, I tell <laughs> you, the shark was supposed to be seen a lot more than it is. You yeah, know, we it, watched it, so. Sorry, we watched that. We rewatched. They put a 40th anniversary Jaws Blu-ray out. Restoration. 4K. So we watched Jaws, which is what an hour and a half, two-hour movie. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, that same night, we watched a three and a half hour documentary of Jaws. That same night, like right behind us, we saw all that stuff you, you're yeah. about to talk about. All the yeah. all the shark nonsense, all the scenes yeah. they had to change. It was just With unreal the for a for yeah, a movie. The yellow barrels. The yellow barrels, exactly. So for a movie, you think that like, oh, I bet they, I bet that was just fun to make. Like Jaws was a, people don't know, Jaws was one of the biggest nightmares in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, if it, if Jaws didn't get the box office that it did, um, it was the first movie to break a hundred million dollars in, mm -hmm. in the United States. If it hadn't, uh, no one would know who Steven Spielberg is because his yeah. career would have been over. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was that, I mean, you guys know it was that yeah, over know. budget. It was that over schedule where if it, if it hadn't have done as well as it did, he he would have never been able to work again. You know, that's wild. Uh, we went, Blake wants to roll back a minute ago. You talked about how you've been working in the music industry a little bit and doing videos for music industry. Right. He did. Uh, he has something written down here. He wanted to ask if you you may have done something like this, but if you could direct a music video for a particular band or person, alive uh, or dead, who would who would that actually be? Clutch. There no doubt. That's what Blake thought. Yeah, I figured. I figured. I didn't know. I figured. You know, alive or dead or both. I didn't know if you would. You could do. Two, you could choose two if you wanted to. Alive, uh, well, alive yeah. I mean, dead. I would. I, I say clutch because I just. I. You know. You love them. I. I love them. I would love to do a video for Alice Cooper. Yeah. Um. They're they're like uh, anything Mike Patton, you know, mm -hmm. Mr. Bungle, uh, Tomahawk. I would love to do a video for them. You know, clutch. They they 
I've sort of watched the, I've listened to them when I was a kid, you know, and yeah. have, it's just I've, amazing. I've, I've listened to them for God, yeah, seven, 10 50, years. 17 years, maybe now. Like I don't. Yeah. yeah. And there was, there was like a time in my life where I was like drunk all the time. I don't know if I've ever told you guys about that, no. but I was like drunk all the time. And, uh, and you know, clutch has like gotten bigger like as their careers gone on, like yeah. they haven't got some bands, like they, they sort of like dwindle, you know, their audience, their fan base dwindles. Clutch yeah. has been the opposite, but like in the early days, um, and exit in has been in the news a lot. Like, Recently, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but, but I remember seeing clutch at exit in and there'd be like 50 people there. And, you know, um, I would hang out with them backstage and I would oh, tell cool. them even then I would be like, I want to do a music video for you guys. But I was like, drunk you know no one was saying oh, yeah yeah they're like screw this guy he's an idiot <laughs> right but uh but yeah i would like it would they would be fun to do a video for hey, I, mean, I know this is what song like well speaking of dreams like that, ima imagine know. imagine shooting a clutch music video and they would fit here imagine shooting a clutch video on the farm where you film tennessee gothic like i feel like it would just you'd be like yeah. the house that uh, peter built i was gonna say area. you asked me like what song like i would have to reach back like it would yeah. be something like the house that peter built or uh for a video like a story i have the body of john wilkes booth would be like a fun one yeah well i because um, you like comedy and goofy okay just picture this i'm talking very first album a shogun called marcus doing a music video for that on the farm they it there just was didn't a, walk around like a shogun outfit and a samurai there, there was a video for that one yeah yeah but i i remember seeing that was on beavis and butthead all the time and there's that low camera angle on a shogun named marcus where like there's a pig running and the camera is just like, like right on its balls <laughs> and i remember thinking it was like the funniest thing yeah of course that's awesome. i don't know man i mean that that's that's like stressing me out just thinking about it like what i would pick oh, really? or what i would do <laughs> not really because I, it's not gonna happen but you never know you don't you know, I mean clutch isn't so big that it's impossible. I mean, no. granted, we're not we're not gonna get, yeah. can't get in all that mess, but like it's really not impossible. I mean, and it is music city. Yeah, yeah, they do they do come here. Yeah, awesome. I don't know, but it would be fun. Again, some of the other people I mentioned too, I'd like to, you know. Yeah. How I'd would like it, to do a slayer video? <laughs> that would be dope. <laughs> uh how would uh how would doing a music as music video Really, one of those would that be drastically different than making a movie? Besides the length, obviously, but that be drastically different than making a movie. I mean, they're not drastically different. Um, you know, they're different in the regard like you don't have to worry about sound at all. They, they, um, they, they put the sound over the top of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, we just they perform to a a track, you know, and yeah. then you just you sync it all with the with the studio recording. Um, a lot of the stuff I've been doing recently is. Uh, is like live performance stuff mm -hmm. um and then it's getting packaged to be viewed later uh but no i mean i've done you know a number of music videos for my my friends bands and it's yeah they're fun i mean they're 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 just it's it's just total low stress like yeah i think know. the correct me if i'm wrong i think the you said the live video stuff you would be making are you making the 
So if you go to a big show and they have screens on the walls and they're like right. showing video on the screens behind the mm-hmm. musicians, is that what you've been working on? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. Stuff. I think people like, don't think people don't think about that somebody has to make that. Like, yeah, that ain't just sitting around somewhere. Somebody physically has to do that job and throw that video together. Right. It's it's called tour. Like it's called tour content. Mm-hmm. Um. So like, for example, like Brad Paisley is someone who I've done like a bunch of, like when he plays a certain song, mm-hmm. like, like a celebrity, like I've become really familiar with all of his work. Uh, but when, when a band is playing a certain song, mm-hmm. whatever is on that, those screens, yeah, those um, and- you know, so I've been, I, you know, I cut a lot of that stuff and went and shot a lot of that stuff. And, um, and then the actual performances I've been going and shooting, like I did one, a few weeks ago where I was shooting, shooting uh, an artist that their screen was playing stuff that I had edited while I was shooting them. So it was that's like, weird. It was like, yeah, pretty weird there. Yeah. It's kind of awesome though. But it filled you with like a cool, like sense of pride and joy type thing. Yeah. I was like, man, it's, you know, I did all kinds of work here today. No, I, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's fun. Steve's always like, you lucky man. My brother, when I say Steve, he's like, you lucky man. You get to just sit around. And I was like, dude, they, this last job I got, man, they were like, we need this, uh, you know, at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. And I was like, that's not even possible. I didn't, you know, I didn't it's sleep nine o'clock right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's stressful. I mean, it's stressful, but at the same time, I mean, he's right. It's better than you know, you're making building, copies. You're not, well, you're, you're not on a construction site killing yourself. Right. So, you you kind of mentioned it earlier, but I'll touch on it again, is you, do you prefer to work with friends and family or do you find it easier working with strangers that don't know you or like that? I, I don't know how to word some that. People, some people, I, I feel like some directors like to be uh, with strangers e- or ignomatic, e- how you say that word? Ignomatic, like it's like directors aren't always so friendly and we know you're friendly, but like some directors, some directors like to have the distance from the from the crew and stuff like that. They and don't that like, I imagine that's different when you're with friends and people, you know, compared to maybe strangers. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I don't. I love working with the people that I know well and I know we have like a, a rhythm and a certain cadence to mm-hmm. the work. Um, but that being said, I don't I mean. I can walk into, and I do it all the time, walk into shoots where I hadn't met anyone yet and just sort of be like, you know, I'm here to do the best job that I can. And I, and I don't have a lot of pushback. Like most people in this industry are not, they're nice people, you know, for the majority of of the time. Um, They, the, the ego comes from, you know, people that we don't associate with a lot, but, you know, in the trenches, we're all there for the same reasons. We all want to make something great and make, maybe get movies and want to make one. Yeah. I mean, so I don't, I mean, I don't really have a preference. I mean, if it's going to be one of my films, then I want to work with people like, like Katie will always be there. Yeah. Um, she, Katie does, she runs the, sh- like, yeah, the we, we met her for that. We met her yeah, on the, yeah. at Tennessee Gothic. She's, she's real sweet. Yeah. She's awesome. She does everything like she does everything on my movies to make sure like i don't have to deal with yeah the like who how are we getting food today um, basically a work. producer I mean, yeah i mean yeah. that's what, so she yeah. makes sure everything is 
organized and together so I can, so I can put that stuff in front of the camera, you know, um, and she's really, really good at it, but, um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, see, I have a, just a few other kind of small ones. Like you've talked about being in film festers. We've gone over it a couple of times, but me and Drew, we don't, I've never we, been to a film festival, so I don't know the difference between being a spectator <coughs> versus being a presenter. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a walkthrough about kind of film festivals in general and what's yeah, it like I mean, to be a presenter and stuff? Uh, well, film festivals, a presenter, you mean, you mean like, 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 just, vert, like you go in there to just be there to watch movies or you go in there oh, with, oh, a, with to, a movie a promote, to promote your movie. To oh, yeah, yeah. Movie. yeah. So, it's a vastly different experience. Film festivals, again, film festivals are awesome because much like I just said, you're meeting a whole, whole lot of new people that are just like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're, you're getting to see like a roster of exciting movies, you know? So you'll, mm-hmm. you'll get your program and you happen to be in that program too, but they're like legitimately 10 other movies you can't wait to see. And so, you know, when you're at these festivals, you're looking at the, the log lines or the synopsis of, your friends movies or people that you just met 20 minutes ago and you you know and you really it's it's a really like exciting environment for for you to like support each other's films you know and and you know you get to do q a's and you you know talk about how you made the film uh and people are really they're excited to be there so that excitement level drives to like people checking out your past work or uh, buying copies of the films that you have there with you they can't be beat honestly like they're yeah. just even I mean it's 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 probably the number one tool for uh, exposure you know yeah. you get I mean you make a business like I say I don't know like business connections too do you meet you, oh, yeah. met, people, you met people there that you've worked with oh yeah after all the, the fact yeah all the time yeah like um I mean Again, I talked about Louis Dorge before. He directed Night of the Babysitter. When I was on the festival circuit with The Measure of the Sin, uh, we screened at um, the Arizona Underground Film Festival, and uh, he saw my film there. And so at that one festival, uh, the distributor that ended up distributing it was there. So he got in touch with me later. He came to me that night, and he was like, we're interested in your movie like to put out. And he said, I'll send you some details, you know, whatever. And then like a year later, you know, uh, a filmmaker got in touch with me and was like, I saw your movie at this festival. Um, I loved it. Will you come shoot my movie? You know, so it's stuff like that happens all the time, you know, and again, it's, it's just, it's all about supporting each other's films. There's one filmmaker, um, his name's Steve Daniels. You guys, so you guys were at the the Belcourt when we yeah, showed Tennessee yeah. Gothic, but I showed one of his shorts before it. Uh, the one, is that the one on the, the, the tricycles? Yeah. God, hilarious. That was hilarious. So, yeah, so he he and I, when I made Gracie, The Diary of a Coma Patient, it was a short film I made um, on Super 8. Steve had made a film on Super 8 as well, which that, that one was on Super 8. But Super 8 is just a small gauge film format, like your parents had home movies. Like that's the format but so steve daniels he and i became like digital buddies probably like 15 years ago and we met for the first time in person last year 
Wow. Um, oh, so yeah, so like 15 years of being on the phone, emails, mm-hmm. emails, being like huge supporters of one another's work. Um, because we were like at the same festivals um yeah. 15 years ago, but we were never at the same ones at the same time. Our films were but yeah. like I would be at one, he wasn't there, he'd be at one, I would, you know. And so there's just a really cool camaraderie, a really cool um sort of group of um of like-minded people at these things you know it's it's just it's cool i mean some people don't like them i mean some people are like festivals are stupid um i wouldn't say like for me again like the big thing you gain from festivals is exposure and just that's people, the hard that's probably the hardest thing for an indie movie is the exposure. yeah i mean new new people even if you're not getting a deal or if you're losing money by having to like travel to them because not all festivals can pay for the filmmaker to come yeah you're, you're getting exposure, you know, I mean, and it's, it's valuable. Yeah. What you got? Um, well, this one might be a little, I'm not sure if you know, it can answer this one or not, but like I said, this is a, for the most part a video game podcast. Are you familiar with FMV games? Duck Hunt? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. FMV, no. Do you know what that means? I don't think so. Oh, it's full motion, full motion video. Okay. It's where they legitimately film something like a, like a movie and then splice it into a game. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. That's pretty cool. Because we actually did so, a couple of them. Our, our last episode was two FMV video games. Yeah. So but, it's uh, kind of like, it's kind of like, like in a movie, they shoot a backplate for something. Like if you're on a train, the, the, uh, land passing outside, you know, like a rear well, screen projector. Really. It's really is just it, a, it's an actual fit. Like, so the first one yeah. kind of the first one we talked about was uh, something called late shift, which you could actually find these on YouTube. If you're interested, there's a late shift, which would they put it, they went, they took late shift to film festivals. Oh, wow. Oh, you know what? Okay. I don't know what you're talking about, but I do know like through the submission process now, Yeah. like, and I've, and I've been like, what the hell does this mean? But on a lot of them, you know, you check what you have, a feature, a short, screenplay, yes. and I see on there video game. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yeah. Have... Interactive movies and stuff like yeah, that. So right. Basically, what Late Shift is, is it's all filmed. It's all live actors. It's all on locations. It's all everything. And what, what that movie is pretty much is you're watching it and then, uh, you can't see my hand, but choices come across the bottom of the screen and you just highlight which choice. And when you pick a choice, the next cut cuts to it, it just it just starts the next video but like it seamlessly cuts together the thing so you're watching a, a seamless thing all the way through so you oh. can watch it as a movie yeah. and they were supposedly they were at film festivals they were i guess playing it or showing it but at the film festivals they were showing it with different choices so when you saw it at the film festivals if you saw it at one and say you saw it at a different one you were seeing different aspects of that movie play through because they have choices pretty much a choose your own adventure movie right that's, what I, that's basically what, what it like. is yeah yeah so i don't know how you want daunting. me to make one of those it well, that's, i think that's where he was leading if you ever had the option if somebody approached you would you ever try something like that sure i mean yeah. someone would have to tell me what i you know I, it would be there'd be a learning curve yeah i think uh, yeah you know, because he, uh, we talked about it on our podcast, and he, I know you know uh, Alexander Aha. Might is that he say his name? Yeah, is about to be making one with that company. Oh, really? It's a haunted house feature. Yeah, yeah. He's making That'd a. That'd be cool. So he's supposedly he's making a haunted house movie, I guess per se, 
And I guess they're going to take all the footage and turn it into a video game, which sounds uh, really intriguing. It tends to be like a, a this or that, like to go left in the hallway, to go right, right down the hallway. And then once you go that, you go down that set path. You will never know what happened if you went left unless you replay. Right. Type thing. Yeah, it's this, a very interesting thing. I, I didn't know if, I didn't know film festivals, even, I didn't know when he first, Blake said it on, on our last podcast, I didn't know they would take something, excuse me, something like Late Shift to a film festival. That was really cool. Very strange. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't even thought about it really until until I started thinking like, yeah, that's on there as a submission yeah. option now Cause these days. Because this is it's one of those things where like, especially like in film and being creative, like if you're not growing, you're dying. And so it's always good to be like, like if you're someone who's a fan of, you know, the horror genre, uh, maybe take a break and start reading a comedy or go read like a historical fiction and then see like it helps expand your horizons and stuff like that. And I didn't right. know if if because you watch a lot of uh, you're, you're into a lot of uh, movie news and film festival news. If any time a, uh, a video game had popped up and been called like a cinematic achievement or a cinematic event or an experience worth seeing, have you ever like anyone ever mentioned something like that or sent you links to anything like that or nope yeah i think it's a i think it's a smaller thing probably yeah. people probably don't even know what they're walk like you like you've been all the festivals you wouldn't even know what you're walking walking into properly no but i mean there that being said though i'm i'm there's a i mean that's a, a is a massive playground thing. yeah i mean i just because i don't know about it i mean almost all like my friend chad uh he's real into video games he would know everything you're talking about you know yeah. i'm just i'm probably i'm probably an outsider when it comes to that that yeah, i just yeah. i'm not real into video games um but yeah i mean like you know all I, I, I would say pretty much all of my friends that are filmmakers um talk about playing video games yeah. um it's you're, just something that i don't you're, you're missing out man I, I know I'm honestly like I'm afraid of it I'm afraid that you, you I get, will be like crack and you'll get too into yes it. I'm afraid that I'll get nothing else done yeah. seriously that, that is a problem I've heard a lot of creative if you had, people if you had video games Tennessee Gothic would still not be done probably yeah like, I could go be miserable for four hours working on audio or I could go slay some dragons and assassinate people four hours try like 14 yeah. in a day yeah I was yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah but see, if, if you shouldn't i'm not you should like at least look into it to experience it to see what some of that stuff looks like maybe it could spark some new ideas for you yeah well i mean i i uh i went i went to hang out with one of my friends uh and he had that uh friday the 13th game oh mm -hmm. yeah you know where yeah. like jason's killing like he like yeah. kills people like he does in the movies like to picks them up in a sleeping Violently. bag and slams them against a tree and yeah folds him up in a chair i played that with him and it was like one of the best times i've ever had in my life yeah there's like, a version that's a that's a licensed one with uh with with jason there's another one called dead by daylight where you uh well that actually they have licensed characters too where you somebody somebody plays the monster and then four other people play the humans trying to get away it's it's pretty cool that's what oh, that, that's cool. what the jason game is too yeah that the one he had i think i want to say he he did like a kickstarter or something like it was a he like contributed to a campaign yeah there was so what, what sucks about the friday the 13th game right now is it, it's got it, it got i think it got uh it won't get we're getting we're getting off in the leap the trenches here but like uh, it got 
not because the game's out, you can't cancel it, but I think they're kind of shutting it down because there's been some licensing issues with Friday the 13th with the people who made the game. And I think like the original oh, creators, like some, suing them some guys getting some guys, yeah, something. some guys getting pissy about his rights. So I think that game is. It's still active, but I think they're struggling with it a little bit. Huh. They're, they're promoting it less and less to try to keep it out of the media. Well, they, well, they right. can. I think they got sued, but uh, that's just other technical nonsense. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I've, I've, I've gone through kind of all my questions, but one, do you have any questions for us or anything like that? Yeah, I want to know. I want to know about your your short story and where people can find it, Blake. <laughs> oh, and we've promoted that already. Uh, uh it's called uh, "They Come." this night and you can find it on um on amazon and if you're a kindle unlimited member it's completely free and if you don't have kindle unlimited it just costs a dollar it's yeah it's everyone just a, can buy it yeah yeah anyone can buy it so it's, you talked about and i would say i don't i don't, don't want to make this awkward or anything but you talked about earlier how you let some people see your movie before it was done and stuff like that when blake was um writing his short story you and your brother were on a very short list of people who've seen it before it was completed and we again we uh, in person we kind of want to thank you thank, thank you for yeah, uh, taking part in that because he don't trust very many people at all and you and your brother were very your brother both been very supportive of him and getting his story out and stuff like that yeah i'm very appreciative because uh, yeah. you said earlier like how you had your editor bowen was like yeah cut that shit out don't make the movie yeah like when I would share it with some of my friends, they'd be like, oh man, that was good. And I was like, what should I change? Is there anything? He's like, no, man, it was good. And I was like, that's yeah. not what I want to hear. I need criticism because I know yeah. that it's not great. I right. know that it's not great, but I can't do anything else. I've read it so many times. I don't know what to change. Yeah. And you, you, uh, you, you become paralyzed. I mean, you become, um, you can't, you can't be objective anymore when it's your own work. And you, and that's, that's the, the thing about um, any kind of art or um, writing, it's, it's sort of like you need to rely on people that you trust to say, Hey, I don't think this works. Um, and then it's up to you to to hide, to consider the source, you know, do you trust that person and are they making valid points? And if they are, do you remove it or do you stick to your guns and say, I'm keeping this, you know, and, and, and then you suffer the, the consequences. You know? Yeah. So like, for example, if somebody told Blake, his movie had too many farts, he'd be like, no, I think it needs more farts. I think it needs right. more. And, and you can make, and, but again, when I was throwing my stuff out there with, with that particular, I was, I was conscious. I knew like this, I'm going too far with this, you know? Um, but but there like, are if other... I can get two in there, I'll be happy. Type yeah. Thing. But there are other things too, you know, that people would bring up and I'd be like, I see your point, but I'm going to, I'm keeping it because I like it and yeah. I'll, I'll it deal is your with, movie. Yeah. And I'll deal with any backlash over, over that, you know, yeah, if there so is any or whatever. Where Blake, where Blake is sitting, it's the, it's the perspective of his story, which is kind of rubbing. It's, it's tough. It's, it yeah. is, it is tough to read. It is like, there's no yeah. way. The biggest around. complaint I got was the fact that it is written in second person. People That's, were like, "Oh, it'd rather it'd be easier to read." He could, first he could, third. he could rewrite the whole thing. He could, but he was just like, "This is what this story is, and this is the way I wrote it." And that's the thing he stuck to, like you talked about. Once so the thing you stick to that thing. 
Yeah, one, I mean, and this is, and I've read a lot, like I've read a ton of fiction, okay, like mm-hmm. a whole lot. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about your story um, was your point of view and the second person. I mean, uh, I did a short story in the second person like a long time ago. Um, Jay McInerney's book, Bright Lights, Big City, was written in the second person. I read that like when I was really young and I was like, this is you don't see it very often and it's not easy to do either. It's not. It, I won't, I probably won't do another and I'll <laughs> honestly, it's difficult, <laughs> but it's, but it's, it's it, when you, when you open something, it's, it's unusual to the point that it gets people's attention. Um, and I think it was a wise choice. And I think, uh, you know, I the, like even reading it, like having written it and then reread, I would reread it so many times, like certain scenes still creeped me out just like two specifically were well spoil spoil your own thing well i know but uh two in particular is one uh father comes back inside and she backs up into the corner and uh, you can feel his breath brushing your hair against your face yeah like that always made that was just in my head i could just see it and it was just and it always made me feel really intense yeah and then shortly thereafter uh, when the home invasion actually begins and the dude has her in her bedroom and she can't look away because he keeps using his uh, mask to make her look him in the eye and he kept he's brushing your and you're just like oh just not being able to control you where you're looking is intense <laughs> yeah yeah so those are some those are like some exciting trailer moments folks so everyone you have a dollar go buy the story on amazon everyone yeah. has an amazon account so uh, I don't know where we are on time, but I guess we can start wrapping this up in a way. Uh, you mentioned trailers. You don't know about about our podcast for this, but we're pretty adamant uh, being well against trailers in our podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, you guys have told me that in private. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, but I think uh, for you, you you made your trailer for Tennessee Gothic, right? You yeah. did the edit for that. So yeah. we'll, we could skirt the rule this time if people want to uh look up tennessee god you can find it on youtube right you can fund the trailer on youtube yeah it's on youtube uh it's on vimeo i mean if you googled it you it would yeah come so up. what so this time we'll, we'll let it slice since you actually made your own trailer if people want to see get a taste of what tennessee gothic is uh the trailer but honestly i'm gonna be honest with you i never watched the trailer man because I, right. I i wanted to see the movie I, when we saw it at the at the show first time i've seen any piece of it that's, and that's how it. That's how I like to experience movies anyway. So I've still, even now, I haven't even watched the trailer, honestly. But that's awesome. But if people want, you think, because uh, a lot of trailers do spoil everything about a movie, it's just why we avoid them. I, I imagine your edit, are you pretty comfortable with your edit of if yeah, your trailer? I'm, I'm to happy be? with it. It definitely shows a lot of the movie, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, what it, exactly what you guys don't like. Um, yeah. You know, but the thing, and I agree with you guys. I agree with you as a consumer. I totally agree with you. Um, as a business person, like I understand why. It's because the majority of the the consumers they want to they want to know exactly what they're getting into. Yeah. It's uh, it's ridiculous. But yeah, and the trailer has some. You know, it's probably an R-rated trailer. Um, <laughs> so you know, keep that in mind. Yeah, we mentioned uh, trailers a bunch. We mentioned them on the podcast a bunch, trying to get people to avoid them 
but uh and your brother still sends me trailers all the time like every time he knowing, you, music, knowing you don't watch them he knows I, told, I was like it's like he sent me the uh the, the batman trailer he's like dude i was like you know i'm not gonna watch this he's like well i'll send it just in case and i was like i'm not watching this but uh um but two uh, i've mentioned on the podcast before i don't know if you've seen the trailers but or the movies but there was the movie uh the movie ma with uh octavia yeah. spencer yes i watched that movie so if you did, did you see the trailer first I don't think I did see the trailer. So that trailer shows uh, the scene, one of the best scenes. I think one of the most surprising scenes is when she's in the truck in that movie. Remember the truck scene where she's driving the truck down the road? It's not a great movie, I don't think. But there's a scene where she's in a truck. I don't want to spoil it, but it's in the trailer. Where she runs somebody over in the in the, in the trailer. Oh. It and shows, that's, in the, that's in the trailer. I'm yeah, just like, I, I know what you're talking about. I know what yeah, you're I was like, why is this in the trailer? And a bunch of other the creepy moments are in that trailer. And you go, me and Jessica went and saw the movie, and we're like, I guess we've seen it all. Yeah. yeah. And then again, we just mentioned Alexander yeah. Aha. Have you, have you seen Crawl yet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I liked it. Crawl's yeah. awesome. If you watch the trailer for Crawl, the trailer for Crawl literally shows you every time a crocodile gets a person. Oh, really? It shows you every single one of them in, in the movie. I don't, when you watch the movie, you're like, I've done seen all the crocodile attacks. Again, again, like I said, um, I'm very much like you guys in that regard. For, as from a consumer standpoint, exactly. I don't watch. I honestly don't watch a lot of trailers. But when I'm constructing one, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know what I need to put in here for people to want to see it. Exactly. But yeah. at least you have at least you have a I know I know people there's a, a balance between the, the pros and cons of of, a, of indie development, but I best one of the one of the pros is not having a studio behind you being like you gotta Without show all doubt. this crap in the trailer. Yeah. I don't think I don't think my trailer gives any gives anything away. I mean yeah. you 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 get a lot of the story, but it doesn't give yeah. any any of the, the fine details away. Yeah. Can I, you can you tell see nah, this might be a dunk can you tell it's a because uh, can you tell it's a comedy in the trailer? Do you throw oh, yeah. comedy in the trailer? Okay, I, oh, know, yeah. I was wondering. If, I didn't know if you were trying to blindside people. So you've been upfront about the comedy throughout uh, your oh, whole yeah. experience. Okay, I mean, oh, it's yeah. advertised as a horror sex comedy. Okay, yeah. I just didn't know if it was like kind of like a horror sex comedy. Yeah, yeah. literally how it's advertised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, you guys should go watch the trailer. Yeah, yeah we. I don't know. I don't. Um, we don't see. We don't see the movie like four times. Yeah. Um. Because oh, and I know this is a dumb, a really dumb side note, but uh, people make fun of me and Blake because we watch movie, every movie we watch. If it has it, we watch every movie with subtitles. Oh yeah, movies, I do movies too. in English, Spanish, don't matter, don't matter what language. We watch every movie with subtitles, and you did your own subtitles for Tennessee Gothic. Yeah, and there is something people might not know. There's a whole another layer of comedy in the subtitles. They were fans, which was which was killing us, man. It was. Killing yeah. us. There's a whole extra layer that people are just going to miss out on. Because at one point, yeah. uh, you did uh, the subtitle literally said another thrash metal song, and then you used like no some but, ampersands and some brackets to do some uh, double oh, ones. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the, that's the best one. We're like, seriously, we're just like Jeff, you moron. Like, <laughs> that so like, sensibility. That, right yeah, there. it was just it was so funny, and because you don't see, you don't ever see people like we watch a lot of subtitles. You don't see people having fun with subtitles. But they ever, it as a ever. job. Like you said, but, uh, it is a job for people. Yeah. But uh, it was it was interesting to see that. Uh, it, it literally is a whole another yeah, a whole other layer there. I had fun doing. I mean. And that's the thing, you know, I mean, at that that point, that late in the game, when I was mm-hmm. authoring the Blu-ray, um, you know, I was like still having fun, still that's crazy, yeah. still making jokes, you know, and and I wanted uh, deaf people to 
to be able to have like yeah i mean you know um and i'm like you guys like i have subtitles and they're always so boring um they're white or yellow or not not just that just what they write is yeah it's just the just the just the facts you know i mean yeah just the facts ma'am but sometimes uh, you you see ones that are kind of like oh this guy was having a good day I got, oh God, what was, I can't remember what show it was. I think it was like Doctor Who. And all it was, was the sub, the character just looked at the person real intense and it just said, stare intensifies. <laughs> and I was like, that is wonderful. <laughs> um, one of the best, one of the best, have you guys ever seen Pieces? Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, so. it's like a Spanish slasher movie from the early 80s. Um, I have it. Is, is it on like, Shudder by chance? We, we abuse Shudder here. I don't know if it is on, it might be on Shutter, um, but they usually, like this This cover, you'll see. Pieces. Oh, yeah. It's exactly what you think it is. I like that. Um, Blake so, says taglines. I love taglines for movies. But but in pieces, this, this is, all my movies are so dusty. Likewise, uh, I don't dust my stuff, but they're there when but, I want to watch them. Yeah but but in pieces so we're talking about subtitles is a little different um but on the dub track because it's in spanish originally um on the english dub (laughs) dub track there's a scene where this asian guy like runs up to his friends and they're like hey man are you okay and uh like in in the regular version he's like yeah i just don't feel very well um or something like that i'm paraphrasing but in the dub track, they're like, hey, man, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I must have ate some bad chop suey. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> just came up with, like, when they were Set dubbing it. Yeah. Yes. I do love, this is a whole other topic. That's so random. Yeah, we're trailing on. But talking about dubs, like, one of my favorite uh, uh, censored dubs, like, I've seen on television, was for uh, Snakes on a Plane. Oh, have you, uh, there's a part where he goes you know these you know mf snakes on this mf plane uh but in the on the video he goes these monkey fighting snakes on this monday through friday plane no and it, yes it is probably my yeah. favorite dub yeah. i've ever seen yeah. or like a censor dub, dub, yeah. dub yeah it's funny that's and awesome monkey fighting snakes on this monday through friday plane I, just, I just um i haven't watched it yet but i bought i know i know you you guys need to wrap it up. Um, yeah, but no, I bought, uh, okay. We're good. You don't want to take your time up. Uh, Arrow video uh, released Mallrats. You know, the Kevin Smith yeah. film Mallrats. And on that disc, it has uh, what they call, um, I, it's around here, but they, they say something like uh, the hysterical, the hysterical uh, censored TV version. Oh, wow. Um, no. <laughs> um, so I haven't watched it yet, but it's on there. So it wow. must have like some hilarious like, Censored, so you know. there's a talk about censoring there's a band called head pe and they do kind of uh earlier in the days they did kind of rap metal the dude's kind of mellowed out now but early, they have an early one of their earlier albums uh if you listen to it edited it's hilarious because it only edits out the cuss words but he's talking about like banging your daughter and all this other crazy gross gross things but it'll That's censor the in it'll censor the cuss words and then he says all this nasty stuff and then bleep beep beep some cuss words and some other nasty I was like this is hilarious like why did they think this was okay this way i think the the court one of the chorus is like i'm gonna it's like after i paint the town red i'm gonna come home and paint her white 
Oh, but it doesn't no. censor that, but it censors the cuss word. And I'm like, that's way worse than, than an F-bomb. Yes. And then you're yes. like, oh my God. Yeah. God, censoring. It's it's, oh God, censoring is so silly. The things that... Oh, then one more tangent. Have you ever seen the film, This Film's Not Rated? The, the documentary about the it, rating sim? Yes, the yes, yes. I have seen that. Yes. And how just ridiculous yes. they go through and how... You don't actually get to meet the people. It's like a shadow organization yep. and crap like yep. that. Yep. That's a wild thing to watch. It's I couldn't remember bonkers. the title, but I did I think watch it's really it. called yeah. This Film's Not Yet yeah. Rated or something. Yeah. You had, you had to put your movies through that kind of stuff? Blind. Blind did? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to. No one has to. About that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, especially like now, even on... Uh, you know streaming you'll still see like ratings but a lot of them are just uh what are those? yeah ages hmm. um i mean that's just you have to send it through like when we made blind it came out it was in every video store every blockbuster every family video every video store and so <laughs> at that point in time it had to go through the mpaa and it, hmm. it was rated r yeah of course <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned uh blind being in video stores the um the source picture that I used for your cover art was actually a picture that I, I think I took it from your Facebook was you holding a blind at a blockbuster. Oh that's yeah. the source picture that I took. You wear that white shirt on. That's the source picture that I took. And that's way before I added everything in. So I thought that was kind of funny. You mentioned that it's I mean I I see him everywhere. Like uh flea markets. They're mm. they're all I found a VHS like I don't know, what? a couple of years ago. Yep. VHS. And I never owned, I never had one, a VHS. So I bought you, it. It was like a dollar. Well, bought your own movie. Yeah. yeah. Did you but, get any royalties for that? No, I'm sure not. <laughs> yeah, our deal with Bl- for Blind was like terrible. Yeah, you know, well. It, they only had it for five years. I mean, I have it back now. You can get it yeah. on our website and stuff. But but during that period of time, you know, it was awesome because it was everywhere. Yeah, we, we had to take the deal. We, it's we a deal you had to, you know. Less, yeah, we what do you call it? Not the lesser of two evils, but uh, I don't know what the word is. But you just, yeah, you had to do what you had to do to get it out there. Yeah, but yeah. you know, um, before we wrap up, um, do you got anything you want to promote? You just mentioned a website. Like, do you have anything you want to promote or anything can, up and coming? Yeah. So any of my stuff. When I say my stuff, I mean just films that I've directed or maybe you, you can name. You can say the movies. You know, so, promote yourself. Blind, A Measure of the Sin, Tennessee Gothic, uh, those movies, um, any any merch, like we've got t-shirts, posters, all that stuff, you can find that stuff um, at www.gypsyrootproductions uh, slash shop. Yep. Uh, all that stuff is there. And then um, uh, my friend Chad that I mentioned earlier, uh, the movie that I shot for him, Dementor, will be uh available on march the 2nd and it'll be on like all the vod services so you know amazon can you you buy it as well blu-ray dvd blu-ray the they have not done a physical media yet um and that's like in the works right now it's just going to be their the digital release um and also uh tennessee gothic and a measure of the sin um if you don't want physical media you can buy those on my Vimeo page. You can just Google my name and Vimeo yeah. and my, my content will come up. We have a, a double, I think, Blu-ray of Blind and Measure. Do you still have those available? No, those are sold out. Those sold out? Yeah. yeah. 
Those are pretty no, cool. I think, we got, I think ours only, are numbered. It yeah, I numbered think only 200 of those, I think. Okay, so we got only one 200 of those. Of those. Yeah, yeah the, uh, they're, those movies are still available just like on like standalone discs. Yeah, yeah. But that double set, um, did you get it from Brink Vision? I think so. I, let me go look. Hold whatever on. whatever thing you, whatever link you sent yeah. us or however, or I don't know, it may be, we got your stuff lying all over the house. I don't <laughs> we got all kinds of stuff that's flattering yeah oh yeah break vision yeah edition double feature yeah, yeah those vision. are gone yeah we got hang on to that one of 200 there we go i don't even have one of those ha jealous i think i had a stack of them at some point but i was like i need yeah. to get these out of here well speaking of limited editions we are the owners of only two things that exist in the entire world that still book of and Tennessee gothic don't think I don't show that to every person that comes yeah. around here. Yeah, we, yeah, we, that was one of our uh, favorite things to, to have, to have made and do. It was, uh, we really enjoyed that. We knew we couldn't, it was like, we, we knew about it for months before we even told you or Steve or anybody about it. Cause it took so long. That thing came from all the way from, uh, it was like Spain, like the dude who like makes it was in Spain. So it was like, we knew about it for months and months and months. And we're like, do we tell Jeff now or we just wait till we have it? And we just kind of like kept it down and just wanted to really, we got two of them made. So we, so we have, we Only have one two in existence. Think yeah. about that. Yeah, Very so what, rarely does something like that happen. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if our podcast fans even know that Blake collects steel books or even knows what a steel book is. That's a niche uh, collector thing too, but uh, yeah. got a lot of fun making that. And then. Um, just about made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, it's okay. You gotta cry sometimes. Even you have to. You gotta let it out. Yeah. Did your did uh, I assume your wife loved it? We oh, dude. We we showed it to you, and you said you would show it to Aaron later. I assume she. I mean, she got choked up. Yeah, it's a wild thing. Uh, We're not bragging. It was just something cool we wanted to do. But uh, and we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun getting it made. We've debated doing uh, getting the other ones done at some point too. We have a lot of crap we've been wanting to make a lot of because now. When, when you start making still books, Jesus Christ, it opens the door to oh yeah, like a, a like dangerous. It's very just like getting tattoos for the first time. Well, yeah, yeah, it tells you how addicted they are until you get your first one. Yeah, right, so we we've been running over our heads to try to get other other still books made and stuff like that. But uh, that was true. that one was a lot of fun. Um, do you got uh, do you got anything else, Drew? I think I'm about. I think that's about. What I got, I feel like I think we covered everything. Blake actually did to his questions pretty well. We did pretty good on that. I think I hit all of them. Yeah. Huh? Some of them were a little ham fisted in there, but I think I did okay. <laughs> no, I thought I think you guys did a great job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're uh, really appreciate you coming on. We've uh, so we've talked, we've mentioned you throughout the what well, you just your, you and your movie throughout the podcast over the however long we've been doing this podcast. It was kind of uh, cool to people that know about that have been listening to the podcast will know about you already. Maybe we've sold some movies for you. I don't, I, who knows? People don't, there's no way of knowing, but we try to send whoever we can your way and try to share this stuff as much as we can. That's what we do, I guess, in these groups of friends. You just try to share yeah. as much as you can. I appreciate it. Yeah. I think I just have one real last question after everything's said and done. Um, is there a way that I could be killed in your next movie? You want me to kill you in my next movie? Oh, yeah. I want my throat uh, ripped open and gore everywhere. If, I think it would be a blast. <laughs> I, I Right now, I've been doing nothing but writing, like, as far as my own stuff. Yep. But if if what I've been working... I'm working on, like, a few things, but only one of them is... Yeah. Yeah. Only one of them is something that I would actually make. The other stuff is stuff that I would, like, yeah. send out. Um, 
but if I make this thing, uh, which it may not happen, but if I do, I know exactly what I would do with you. And it's gonna, it would be awesome. He just wants to die. I just want to die. That's all. I just want to die on screen, just have my throat ripped out or something. And I can't act for crap, so you're gonna have to get someone to do my voiceover. This will be, I'm telling well, you, this, this will be like a strong. You won't have to do much man. acting, you'll just be dying. Yeah, fine. That's <laughs> all we got. I just think it'd be really fun to just die on screen, yeah, like violently. I would keep that in mind for sure. All right, that's all we got, man. We really appreciate you coming on. It's good talking to you as always. You too, guys. We'll Thanks for having me, some, man. Yeah, oh, we'll no probably, uh, God, who knows, in another five years, we'll have you back on again. By the time we get rapper, we, we get, we start, we got to start repeating guests. We'll, we'll wrap it back around to you again. Well, great. I'll, I'll be glad to come back. All right, man. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. I thank yeah. you, Jeff. We'll see you later, man. See you. that's over <laughs> man the ego on that guy i know jesus christ all he did was talk about himself the entire time and his work and his inspirations oh it's not it's, just about... it's like you don't understand that it's our podcast i know we're the ones that need to be talking most of all that's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous we'll see if we ever see that guy ever again i know jerk uh, you know we're kidding. We <laughs> we're we're just stupid. Uh, we obviously love Jeff and love his work and stuff like that. Um, we just want to do a little add-on here on the end. We want to reiterate a couple of the things. Um, just if you want to find his uh, in his work and everything else he's done, he does have all his Blu-rays and DVDs and um, other stuff. Actually, Merch stuff. merchandise you can buy the. Uh, I think the the score for Tennessee Gothic and stuff all at gypsyrootproductions.com. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And he said he had recently uh, worked with Chad Kinkle on Dementor, and that should be out by the time the release of this podcast. Um, and I put a link to that in the show notes too. That you can uh, rent or buy digitally right now because he says in the podcast it's no physical version yet. But I'll keep an eye out on that. And uh, this is Blake, but uh, Jeff mentions Blake's short story. Again, we've promoted it already, but I'll put a link to Blake's short story uh, also there. And if you want to follow the uh, all the Tennessee, Go Tennessee Gothic on all its little social media accounts, he does post when they do um, when they he travels around. They do screenings of Tennessee Gothics. So he might be able to catch them in a town somewhere near you doing screenings at the festivals and stuff like that, or just even screenings of just his movie at some places. Just keep an eye on that. Uh, next, we would like to give away a signed copy of Tennessee Gothic. I have a copy lying around here somewhere. Yeah. I think either either I have either a blank copy that we can just get Jeff to sign, or I have another copy that's signed by uh, him and the whole cast. The whole right? cast, yeah, and, and other stuff and crew. Maybe I don't know. I have another copy lying around somewhere, but to make sure it's people that have actually listened to the podcast, we've done this before with a couple of video games. We've got a, a couple, like three questions that I. 
uh, that I snatched from the podcast while I was re-listening to it, uh, that you that the answers to these questions are in the podcast. So if you want to get that free copy, I'm gonna do one. I'm only gonna do one copy. Um, just email or message us on our social media with the three answers, and the first person I'll just do first come first serve, of course. So the first person to send me those answers, uh, we'll just you know you privately you give me your address, and I'll, I'll ship you a copy of this movie on, on Blu-ray. Like you want to read the three questions slowly so people can understand them, and the questions will also be in the show notes. The first question is, which movie does Jeff cite as motivating him to make movies, to become a filmmaker? Yep. Uh, which, second question is, which movie did Jeff's mom forbid them from having in their home at all? <laughs> and the third and final question is, what plant from Jeff's backyard did he use to hack up for a hilarious bit of Foley? I wouldn't say hilarious for that particular one. <laughs> it's a big plant, so so so. Did any uh, all three of those? Please, uh, just keeps people from like just googling stuff and trying to get free things. We know people do that. So just uh, you can email us. I didn't. I need to put the email here in the, uh, in the show, notes. show notes. But the, it's email. It, uh, it's number two or word. I think it's word. It's number two. Number two, Smoky Controllers at Gmail, or uh, just any of our social medias, which are all at the bottom of the show notes here. I think I'm not going to say them all right now. Number two. Number two, cool. And then the last thing, um, Jeff actually set us up to do a, a band at the end of this one. We don't normally do, because uh, if you listen to our podcast, it's usually I do a band, then Blake does a movie or a TV show. It alternates back and forth. And all of my band things have always landed, Just it's just how it is. All my, a lot of my bands have landed on the past guests, and I never bothered asking the other guests to do a band. I did, it, was too, too, it was a lot to just do the games and stuff like that. But Jeff did set us up uh, unintentionally to play the band Clutch at the end of this. And he even did me a favor and said, it, you know, his, his, well, we knew it was his favorite song. So we have a song to play, so I don't have to, I don't have to do the work of going through their ma- massive catalog of albums trying to pick a song to play. Massive, massive. Yeah, I don't have the count on on hand, but there's and they're still doing music now. Clutch has been around since like '93, so they've been around a long time, putting on a lot of albums. Pretty cool. They do have their own label too, which is a Widowmaker label. They made their own label oh, I didn't a few, few years back. Yeah, so they do the, they're really doing their own thing now. It's pretty awesome. They're a really cool band that is uh they've kind of changed. I wouldn't say a lot, uh, but they've changed over the years. Um, mostly, you'll hear this song that uh, that uh, Jeff had said is it was one of her older songs. So his his uh, vocals are a little little gruffer back in the day. So the only thing the band's really changed is more recently, or well, in the past ten years or so, he's uh, meld kind of meld his vocals. He was probably thrashing his vocals in his oh, young, yeah, in, his young in his younger age. So that's the really only thing that's really different about the band. The music's more or less, honestly, the same. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just a real cool, gro- pretty groovy band. I think, uh, yeah, groovy is the word I would use, too, they kind of groove. Uh, yeah, we don't keep on much longer on uh, for this. We just wanted to reiterate a couple of the stuff so you could find Jeff and anything like that. Hopefully we want to, we want to give, away this, uh, give away this movie. Uh, I'll wrap up the end here with the song by Clutch, The House That Peter Built. And uh, I'll let Blake wrap things up right here. I want to wish everybody a good evening and good night.
Oh, yeah!